start at three. Positive rotation. Ignition. You guys have a nice flight. We'll see you back here. Welcome to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brian Ellison, the Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. Thanks for listening. Coming up, news on the Pegasus. It's joining the fight. Also, my conversation with Master Sergeant Luke Carrion. He's the 126th Civil Engineer Squadron's first sergeant. CE spent two weeks helping build homes for Cherokee military veterans in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. That's the capital of Cherokee Nation. They were there, uh, the CE was there in uh, August. It's part of an ongoing innovation readiness training there in Tahlequah, which, by the way, is the uh, hometown of, uh, for Cardinals fans, uh, Ryan Helsley. The annual 3K Fun Run for Suicide Awareness is this Sunday, October 16th at 7.30 at the hangar. That's 0730 for the, the military-minded folks. Uh, there will be a resource fair there uh, that will include uh, military one source, uh, military and family life counselors, employee assistance program, uh, the vet center, personal finance counselor, uh, TRICARE, tragedy assistance programs for survivors, disabled American vets, uh, water and Snacks will also be provided and prizes for the fastest three males and three females. Coming up, Master Sergeant Luke Kirion, the 126th Civil Engineer Squadron's first sergeant. Uh, the interview was recorded while we were in Cherokee Nation in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Like I said, it's the uh, home of uh, Ryan Helsley, the, the relief pitcher for the Cardinals. Uh, I only met one person that, that met him or that knew of him. Uh, so we, we recorded this on the job site under a big white tent uh, the day after it had rained. It rained really hard. Uh, you'll occasionally hear people hammering uh, the stakes back into the ground. That's what that chink, chink, chink uh, noise is. My name is Technical Sergeant Robert Walsh. My job is quality control of jet fuel as well as refueling airplanes. What I like about my job is working outside and getting to meet different people. So I've refueled pretty much every plane in the Air Force. F-16s, F-15s, B-1s, B-2s, KC-135s, Air Force One. I've seen them all. So one of the reasons why I chose this job was because I wanted to be as close to aircraft as possible. And being POL, you can refuel so many different types of planes, and planes will always need gas. I'm joined today with Master Sergeant Luke Carrion from 126th Civil Engineer Squadron. He's the first sergeant with the squadron. You guys have been here now 10 days. How, how are you liking it out here so far? How's it going? That's good. Um, uh, they're working with what they got, and... Um, it's, the weather's uh, hot, but it's not as humid as it is back home. Yeah, and we've only gotten two days of rain. Right? Yeah, two days of rain? I think two solid days of rain, which isn't too bad. The rain isn't too bad. It's just the after effects of all the, the mud traveling back and forth. So we had to put some pallets down to counter that, but it was fine. As a first sergeant, what's your job out here with, uh, with the squadron? 
well, as a first sergeant, the job is to take care of the morale, the welfare, uh, and the conduct of the airmen, as well as being the advisor to the commander. Right. So that's the definition. But pretty much, I'm just making sure that the airmen here are taken care of to, so they can do their job effectively. So if it's hot and they're dehydrated, then and we don't supply them with liquids or anything like that, then they're not be able to perform at their highest level. Or if they're having a tough time because of the weather, and you know, I'm just making sure and taking a gauge of the the morale throughout the whole unit, as well as if any issues arise with the enlisted force structure, I just uh, notify the commander of anything that I foresee. Nothing big, nothing major besides the heat and the, the weather, right? No, the the uh, the 126CE is uh, very resilient, and uh, anything that the weather or the uh, lack of supplies that maybe they ask for, uh, they roll with it and they're adaptable. Yeah, what has surprised you about, uh, about this is your first, we should say, this is your first DFT uh, with uh, CE, if I haven't said that already. What, uh, what, do you, what have you been surprised about with the way these guys are on the job? Well, I've never been experienced any other squadron in depth other than, you know, my own as security forces for 14 years. But, uh, and I knew that every career field had its place and value, but it kind of gives me a better sight picture on exactly how important every squadron is, including obviously the CE squadron and how, fun, how uh, important the foundation of a squadron like CE is by being able to uh, not only maintain a facility or anything like that, but to, to build ones like uh, they are here. Yeah, what, do you, what have you seen? I mean, they're... Uh... What's impressed you about how they how they worked out here? Um, like I said, that their their attitude, even in um, difficult weather conditions or um, lack of materials they have, they're still able to press through and get the job done. It's not only is that, but like if there's not as much HVAC work or there's not as much dirt need to be moved around, they can kind of hop to different shops and help out. Like you know, if there's not as much heavy machinery needed to be used, will they help with structures and put up boards and trusses and nailing and stuff like that so there it is different specialized shops but they also help out ce as a whole so be able to be adapt and uh just help their fellow wingmen out right what uh is this so you've this is your first dft as a first sergeant correct uh what were you expecting coming in? Is this how you expected it to be, or is it different than what you expected it to be? Um, it is uh, what I expected it to be to a degree. Uh, longer, long hours, which is, is uh, understandable. Like There's a lot of time that needs to be put in, but also just the fact of how important the mission is and, and sometimes how the expectations are one thing, like, hey, they only need to get to a certain point, but... The airmen here are able exceeding that point and getting further along than they needed to. Well, so yeah, this is your first. When did you become a first sergeant? March eleventh of this year, twenty twenty-two. What was that process like? Becoming first sergeant. The process is if you're interested and you're master sergeant or master sergeant eligible, um, then you put a, together a packet and submits up to the the command chief, and then he or she will look at it, and then they create a board or you'll go on a board and with other chiefs and first sergeants um, 
and then after that, they kind of rack and stack you, and any positions that need a first sergeant, any squadrons that need a first sergeant will reach out if the commander feels like you suit them well. You'll do probably an interview with that commander, and if things fit well, then you would start to take over as that first sergeant or acting first sergeant until you go to the first sergeant academy. Yeah, what was that first sergeant academy like? It was great. Um, I thought, you know, oh, first sergeant, you just make sure the troops are taken care of and stuff like that. But it's a little bit deeper than that, and a lot of resources that we were able to learn about and value. These, uh, you don't really realize how important some resources are until they hone it in and show you in First Sergeant Academy about how important they really are and how vital they can be. And when you actually put them to application, they help a lot. But again, the First Sergeant Academy was uh, just a month in uh, Alabama uh, at the Gunner Annex, but it's pretty valuable and. I think it's different than like a five level, a seven level, stuff like that, because you you make you find peers in, in uh, any um, courses that you go through through the military. But I think this academy, first sergeant academy, is a little different because when you go through, let's say NCOA or even senior NCOA, you all are trying to be become a better leader and stuff. But you go branch out into your different career fields. But as a first sergeant in the first sergeant academy you all have the same goal. It's just to take care of your troops, whether you're taking care of a CE troop or you're taking care of a security forces troop or services or whoever you're taking care of and your job is the same with just different personnel. So you have a little bit stronger bond, I think, within that academy. And you always have, like, um, we never try to, like, make uh, decisions as a first sergeant in a vacuum. So we, we also are very comfortable in asking other first sergeants for advice if there's something that we've come upon that we're not sure about. So we can reach out whether in our wings or whether outside of the wing, whether it's an active duty first sergeant that I went through the academy with. But it's a good, uh, I would say, brotherhood, sisterhood. What's so? What's been the challenge coming over from into a uh, well to a different career field and you know one that uh, you don't know much about? Right. I think it's for the best to grow as an airman or just to see how, like I said earlier, how other squadrons work. And, you know, I had a, I had a slight idea what CEU does, and then when I came into it, you know, then I really realized how important CE is, just like I understand how important medical is. But then if I became a first sergeant there, I could really understand and see all the different parts of parts that make medical career field work. But it's definitely different from security forces to CE, like any squadron. But I think it's a good transition. We're, we're both, you know, hard workers. We like to have our time off and enjoy that as well. But that's earned time off for sure. Um, but as long as I'm doing my job as taking care of the airmen, whether they're security forces, services, medical, PA, it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter the, the career field, just the person that, that I need to take care of. Uh, what, what ways have you tried to take care of the troops out here? Of, of course. Like, it's, been like, cha- it's been challenging, right, trying to take care of these guys out here? I would honestly say it's not. And the reason is because, like I said, our airmen here are very resilient. If they were, like, not as resilient and they were, like, really beat down by the weather or they're really beat down by certain, you know, issues that aren't raising the morale, then it would be tough but we see uh, airmen are very in services in PA. They're all very resilient, and they roll with the punches, and they're very adaptable, which is key in the military. And I always say the only thing in the military that is consistent is change, and they've, they've adopted that. So 
yes, I do need to make sure and force some liquids on them and say, okay, you need to take a break and, you know, make sure that they're taking some breaks and stuff like that. But uh, we make sure that they, you know, have some time off to kind of decompress a little bit from the long days. So I don't want to say it's easy, but I'm also playing these airmen are very resilient. Um, and I'm also, you know, just checking on them because, you know, some people are a little bit harder to draw information out or how they're really feeling and stuff like that. But it's been great. And then the more I build a bond and build that trust with every one of them, the easier it becomes. Major Boyce calls you the popsicle man. But, I mean, you're, 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 bringing, out, you're bringing out stuff to these guys. Oh, what, are you, what are you bringing out to these guys besides just popsicles? Yeah, I just, I just bring out things to kind of break up the monotony of them on top of the roofs all day. So something obviously like cooler and a hotter caramel. If it was cold, we'd bring them out hot chocolate or something like that, you know. But yeah, the Popsicle Man or I have fruit snacks or Capri Suns. Well, silly stuff, but stuff that's going to kind of like, you know, maybe boost your morale or kind of take your mind off of what you're doing for a second. Because, you know, you can only work so hard whether you're studying or working on a roof or and working out hard you got to take a second and take a rest or get some under some shade or popsicle to kind of cool your body temperature down so those are just like little things that can kind of break up the monotony of working all day yeah those uh those popsicles were good the other day yeah i was up on the roof for a couple hours and yeah. boy you came by with one of those and they tasted good yeah pay that out of your pocket we uh, ask uh, mainly our senior leaders um, if they wanted to donate to help out, you know, the the whole 126th here and the 301st that are here helping out. Um, and then, you know, usually I get enough funds through the senior leaders and some other NCOs might chip in and stuff like that. And then we have a surplus enough to uh, go ahead and I can go ahead in the store and go ahead and pick those popsicles or Powerades or Malfers or whatever energy drinks. Yeah. So we had so on Friday the the, uh, the first Friday we were here we had the uh, the, mora- the cultural day the cultural day yeah that's right at the the Cherokee was it the Cherokee cultural day? yeah yeah how that. how important do you think that was for the the troops and, and maybe even you and all of us really it was, it was an eye opening experience I think for, for me. Yeah, it depends on each person's knowledge, I think, of the Cherokee Nation and the information that they already have on it. Um, so at whatever degree of knowledge you have, it's important to learn more or just kind of reemphasize why we're here maybe and, like, helping out um, Cherokee veterans because that's why we're doing this. We're helping build these houses so that um, Cherokee veterans can have these homes. And then also, like, it also goes some time away, you know, like I said, decompress a little bit from working on the job site. And then, like I said, just kind of learning the culture of the Cherokee, why maybe the Cherokees do a certain uh, certain thing or like that. And plus it had some uh, some activities that brought some camaraderie. There was a, sti- a game called uh, Stickball that, you know, they split up in two. And, you know, every time we do like a group activity um, with some competition, it always definitely has some fun and brings out esprit de corps within the troops. Yeah, the the stickball, basically, it's kind of like lacrosse. In, in, I guess all, they basically said well, all the different tribes across the Americas play, all played some sort of uh, version of this game. And basically, it's like lacrosse with the Cherokee play with two kind of sticks that have like a maybe a, it's, what, what is that, what are the sticks made out of? Yeah, I don't know, some type of wood, was, wood or something. Yeah, it was like bamboo or something. Yeah. It had a little basket at the end. Everybody was kind of timid until uh, first sergeant, you got into it. And yeah. then everybody was like, all right, well, we're have fun with this. Well, we looked up stickball before, and we've seen that there was 
some tackling involved and stuff like that. So I thought, you know, to make it more intense, and, you know, I would just not not try to hurt anybody, but we would just kind of ramp it up a little bit. And again, just that's how it played. And it was nowhere near what they would play back in the day. Oh, yeah. So technically, back in the day, they would settle like, hey, this we want this land. And they would have the two tribes play each other. And they said, you know, they told us there that they would play... Some people would have broken limbs and get hurt and die. Um, obviously, we weren't going that far, but you know, it was definitely fun that we were getting a little rough with each other. But yeah, you guys seemed that you guys had a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And no one got hurt, so that was the main thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What made you want to become uh, a first sergeant? That's a good question. I feel like you know, I definitely grew up and you know, through high school and joining, I was like, I always wanted to be a cop because I I follow the rules and I want to enforce those rules and pretty much reward those that are doing the right thing and then not punish but you know not reward the ones that are doing the wrong thing so like you know if someone is you know breaking a law you know i challenge them or what have you or protect the perimeter when i'm deployed or something like that but i've always wanted to be a cop i've had a great career as a cop i've progressed well i've learned a lot some positions combat arms instructor to you know training and maintenance to uh, asp an active shooter trainer all that stuff but i've always had a tendency to want to like i said take care of people so the most organic way to do that is to become a first sergeant and just to progress and to learn throughout the whole wing about the whole picture of the wing and how it works i feel like you know i'm pretty whole myself if i just stay as, as a cop the whole time and also, I was glad to be a first sergeant in a different squadron, just to build new bonds and have whole new relationships with a whole new group of people. Everyone kind of knows who I was in security forces, but then going to a new squadron is a, is a good change. But like I said, overall, being a first sergeant for me it was just a natural progression and how I've always wanted to take care of people in whatever way that is. Like, in my civilian job, I own a gym, and I take care of and try to make sure their fitness is taken care of. So he wants to make sure that we're as well as fitness taken care of, but the whole being as a person taken care of. There's their side inside of the military, outside of the military. Um, so I, I uh, even though I might seem a little harder on the exterior, I still definitely want to want the best for everyone and try to take care of them and whatever that is needed, whether that's just needing a popsicle or if that's maybe needing to talk about something. And I feel like I've had a lot of experiences. I'm not super old, but I definitely have a lot of experiences through different trials and tribulations through the military and outside, and I can pass it along to my troops that that have questions and stuff like that. So you own a gym. What's what's that? How what's that? Uh, what's the challenges owning a business and being in the National Guard? Is that is that Is it hard for you? Um, it depends on the support system. So I would say I have a pretty good support system, as in the my fellow coaches and stuff. But it is very challenging because, you know, I do have, you know, throughout most of the month, I, you know, I just run my gym. Yeah, I own my gym. I, I coach, you know, 80, 90% of my classes and stuff. And then when I have drill weekend, it's not a big deal. You know, Saturday we have a couple classes. I have a coach that coaches that. And Sunday's kind of open, you know, no big deal. But, like, when I have to go for two weeks or even if I deploy or anything like that, that can be more challenging, but like I said, um, I just have a good support system, as in my coaches that can help coach the classes, and I organize with uh, my coaches when they can coach um, while I'm gone. 
and that's important in anything that I always ask, like, who's your support system and how are they helping you out? Whether you're employing and you have no responsibilities, you still want a support system. If you have every responsibilities in the world, you need a support system. You know, support system can be from your mom, dad, brother, sister, you know, you're obviously your spouse, or even friends or, you know, anything like that that can help you out while, you know, while you're down or something like that. But um, it can be challenging, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Any mentors in the, that you've looked up to that you're like, yeah, because of them I want to be a first sergeant? Uh, yeah, I've had, like, different ones through my career um, as, a, as a cop or someone who owns a business, something like that. But as a first sergeant, uh, I would honestly say, you know, I've had some good first sergeants and stuff like that. And even the ones I went through academy with, like, I already know they're going to be great first sergeants. But Sergeant Mertz is definitely one. Chief Mertz now is definitely one that was, like, you know, that even now I still kind of go to, and he hasn't been a shirt in a while, but he still has that expertise and that knowledge. And and sometimes I'll go to him, or he would just remind me of certain things as a first sergeant. I'm like, yeah, and just hone me back in. But before I was a first sergeant, and then, and even after, I kind of look at him sometimes for advice or guidance on uh, being a first sergeant. What made you want to join the Illinois Air National Guard? Well... I joined in Alaska. Oh, yeah? So I, I went through uh, high school in Alaska, and my dad was stationed there. And then I joined the military. Like, I always knew I was going to be in the military. I wanted to go to school, like everybody, right? So I joined, and I was like, oh, I'll go to school, a free school, whatever. So I went to Alaska. I joined there. And then life took me to Illinois, so I just transferred to Illinois. And I was only in Alaska for about a year, year and a half. And I transferred to Illinois, 126th Force Squadron. And I haven't left because... And I've, I'm not like a, my home is who knows where, right? Because my dad lived all over with me in Alaska, New Mexico, Texas, wherever, England. He was, um, he was actually services in uh, the Air Force, oh, cool. active duty. But why, I'm, why I joined is, like I said, my mom lives in Illinois. She lives in Waterloo, so I kind of came here. But, so that's pretty, that's just convenience that I moved here to the 126. But the, why, the reason why I stayed in is just because... I've had opportunities to stay in. I have good mentors. I, I've set myself up for stuff. I always say you got to set yourself up. You can't shoot yourself in the foot. So I've always got my schooling done. I've always, you know, you know, I guess you could say keep your nose clean and stuff like that and do what's asked for you, volunteer for things. And then if you really are interested in doing something, then be proactive in that. I wanted to be a first sergeant, and I let people know that, and my leaders knew that. And then when opportunities came arise, they would always say, hey, here you go. This is what you have to do be a first sergeant or hey I want to be an academy instructor well this is what you have to do to be an academy instructor and these opportunities have led me let me grow throughout the military and that's why I've, I've been and I've stayed in Illinois Air National Guard is this what you expected a first sergeant to be is this how you is this going into it? I mean now that you're doing a DFT we're, we're on innovative readiness training and IRT is this kind of how uh, is it panning out the way you would, had expected it I mean, honestly, I would say it is exact. It's not exactly, but it is what I expect. You know, I know that I'd be running around or taking care of people, maybe shuttling someone to the hospital or something, or just making sure people's got, um, you know, their their food and basic needs and then their extra needs, you know, taken care of, and then just letting them know, um, you know, that I'm here in whatever way they need. If they need to talk to someone, I'm here. 
And, you know, I'm sure every DFT down, every drill that goes down, there'll be, I'll gain more experiences and knowledge as a first sergeant. But as of now, this DFT is, uh, has kind of been what I expected. And honestly, it hasn't been too tough or too easy just because, like, this isn't everyone's first DFT. So they definitely know the rope pretty well. And I feel like I've built a good bond with, with everyone from leadership to the airmen of this uh, squadron, you know, that I can be who I am. And they uh, accept me just like I accept them. What's been your favorite thing so far with this DFT? Just, uh, I've said it multiple times, but honestly, just seeing how they work and how hard they work and expressing... I say it enough, and it probably goes one ear and out the other, but expressing the appreciation and the um, admiration and the, the uh, in awe of just how much they work and how, how great they work and how much they get done and, um, with, with you know maybe limited materials or the weather, like I said before. But I'm just very impressed. That's what I'm saying. That's the word I was looking for. I'm very impressed with how well this squadron works and gets the job done and gets the mission done. Master Sergeant Luke Kirion, First Sergeant for 126 Civil Engineer Squadron. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks. With your look around the Air Force, I am Staff Sergeant Khadija Slaughter. The KC-46A Pegasus was just approved for combatant command deployments worldwide. That means the new refueler passed its final capability test, the end of a 15-month process to prove the Pegasus can refuel all aircraft combatant commanders may need. The Pegasus passed the final test during a real-world tasking in a combat zone, refueling two F-15E Strike Eagles. The flight included the first successful combat use of the military data network, a system that allows the KC-46 to be a secure interface between the on-ground air operations center and airborne aircraft, increasing situational awareness in the battle space. Enlisted and civilian women can now apply and compete for an officer training school commission while pregnant. The previous policy required women to be worldwide qualified at the time of application, preventing them from applying during pregnancy and through a 12-month postpartum period. The new recruiting policy allows selectees to attend training between 6 and 14 and a half months after their pregnancy. Undersecretary of the Air Force, Gina Ortiz-Jones, says the service is in a race for talent and policies need to reflect that. The change came about after she directed a gender policy review to identify obstacles women face in the department. The Air Force added a new guide to its collection of foundational documents dedicated to developing total force airmen. The joint team documents, also known as the Purple Book, provides an understanding of the value each service contributes to the joint force and outlines working with other branches to win the high-end fight. The Purple Book educates airmen on how the Air Force partners with other services to protect American interests across the globe. Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force Joanne Bass says, in an era of strategic competition, adversaries want to outpace and overtake the U.S. She says every airman needs to know what's at stake and understand why it's critical to synchronize capabilities with joint partners. And that's your look around the Air Force. When the 126th Civil Engineer Squadron went to Tahlequah, Oklahoma earlier this month, they didn't go alone. They brought members of the 126th Force Support Squadron's services section with them. I talked to one of the airmen from services uh, who was a part of that mission. Senior Airman Kylia Jones' workday begins at 3.15 in the morning at Camp Gruber, Oklahoma to prep and make breakfast for the Airmen of the 126th Civil Engineer Squadron of the Illinois Air National Guard and troops from the 301st Civil Engineer Squadron of the Air Force Reserves at Naval Air Station Joint Reserve Base, Fort Worth, Texas. I like this the most, I think. This is my second DFT. Just kind of been like 
not too much to handle or anything like that. We have a good working cycle and stuff, so it all like works out for us. The civil engineers are building houses for Cherokee Nation veterans in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. What they're doing out there is pretty amazing. Like the work that they're putting in, the commitment to, you know, building these houses. I think that that's really, really honorable. I don't know how we got connected with this mission, but I think that that was like, it, it, it shows off a lot of, you know, kind of the respect that we have. After breakfast is made and the troops head off to the work site for the day, it's time to make their lunches. A second shift of services troops will deliver lunches and come back to work on dinner. It's been different. It's been, it's been different. We've been able to be more hands-on and kind of like do it ourselves. Over the 14-day deployment for training in Oklahoma, the 126th Force Support Squadron members served Thank more than 1,800 meals. Reporting from Camp Gruber, Oklahoma, I'm Air Force Master Sergeant Brian Ellison, 126th Air Refueling Wing Public Affairs. The annual 3K Fun Run for Suicide Awareness is this Sunday, October 16th at 0730 at the hangar. If you are having thoughts of suicide or know someone in crisis, call the Military Crisis Line. Dial 988. Dial 988. Press the number one. You can also go, uh, you can also chat with someone as well. Just dial 988. They will ask if you are a, a military veteran and they will put you right in contact with somebody at the uh, military crisis line. You can also go online to the veterans crisis line dot net. Uh, you can chat there. That's the crisis line dot net. You can find all of our links on Linktree. Go to linktr.com. EE forward slash 126 ARW. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, don't forget, you can also uh, go online and, uh, or I'm sorry, go onto your favorite podcast uh, catcher app and uh, download this on there as well. If you want to pass along some information, you can email roll call at 126.arw.pa.mm.org at us.af.mil. Thanks for listening to Roll Call, a 126 The Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I'm Master Sergeant Brian Ellison. 100, 50, 30, 20, 10.